Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Thank you, Morgan. You are a beast. Never get tired of telling her that. She's awesome. I'm going to move this here. What's up, guys? Yeah. My name is Eric Gill. If you haven't had a chance to meet me, uh, it is my pleasure to meet you. Hi. Um, I am one of the pastors here at Marinata. I get to serve here with the high schools and with the youth in general, actually. And it's, it's a blessing, and it's awesome to do it. And I am so excited to be here tonight. I, I, in fact, when Mike asked me to teach here, I was looking forward. I was very excited. You know, it's a special opportunity for many reasons, but one of them is that you can say whatever you want here because you guys are adult. You're not high schoolers, right? I mean, I was listening to my podcast last week, and in the first five minutes, the first thing he said is like, what the hell? And I'm like, wait, you can say that? I'm definitely saying that next week. <laughs> so I love this in this setting because you guys are adult, you know, but you also are in a, in a stage in your life where you're making big decisions. You're in a stage in your life where you are experiencing things that you probably never experienced before. And you're in a stage in your life where your relationship with God, where your faith in God can become more serious than it ever was. And so I love this. And anytime I get an opportunity to teach here, I really look forward. So today, I'm, I was, I was, as I was told, you guys just got done doing a series on heaven. And the goal is, or at least I hope, that after coming out of this series for four weeks on heaven, you guys have a clear idea of maybe what heaven will be one day. That you have a clear idea on what it will look like and also what you, know, what you get when you go to heaven. And so if that is the case, I hope that you recognize that heaven is the most valuable thing that you will ever, or the most valuable place that you will ever go to. That is the most, the only place that you will truly be fulfilled. That is the only place where it will be special, and the reason why is because you'll have God, Jesus himself, there. And so I hope that after coming out from that week, for those four-week series, you know that. I hope you know that. Because today, what we're going to be talking about is heavenly-minded. This idea of heavenly-minded. Now, if you've been in church long enough, you probably heard that phrase being said. Be heavily minded, be heavily minded, right? But often, we don't really know what it means. We don't really understand what it entails to be heavily minded. Sometimes it becomes one of those phrases that we use in church because it sounds good, because it is, makes you sound more spiritual, because it's the thing that, make that, you know, when you say it is the right thing to say, so we use it. But we don't really understand what it really entails to be heavily minded. And so that's what we're going to be talking today. So today is a standalone. Next week, you guys are going to be starting a new, a new series called The Wondering Years, which is all about making decisions when you don't know what decisions to make. So in this transition between heaven and then making decisions, it is very important that you know or that you consider yourself to be someone that makes decisions with heaven in perspective. And that's what it means. To be heavenly minded means to make decisions with heaven in, pers- in perspective. 
It is that you recognize that one day you're going to be standing before God, a loving and just God, and you're going to have to give account for every single decision that you make, whether big decisions, big, big decision, or small decisions. You're going to have to give account to them. Hey, Adi, I haven't seen you in a long time. Hey, what's up? Good to see you, Adi. Anyways, it's to recognize that. It's to recognize that you're going to be making big decisions or that big decision. They're gonna make, sorry, I just, yeah. All right, back at it. Uh, it is to recognize that the decisions that you make have an impact, that have an eternal impact. Because one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to have to give account for the decisions that you've made. That is why it's so important to make heavenly, heavenly minded decisions. And I remember, actually, I went to college. Believe it or not, I went to college one time. And uh, when I went to college, this particular school that I went, it's called World of Life Bible Institute. And in the summer, every summer, you were required as a student to participate in a camp. It was part of your schooling. And I remember that this particular summer, we had a volunteer come and join the staff. And he was a great guy, but let's just say he was a very interesting guy. He was one of those. You know. You have one of those in your life. You know those interesting people. So he was one of them. And the summer, I mean, if I wish that you could know him because it will make the story even better. But this guy, he was great. He was great, but very, very interesting. And as you get, we got to know him, we will see things that he will do. We will see decisions that we will, he will make that you will wonder, what is in your mind? Like you would ask, you, will, you wish that you could be in his mind when he was making a decision just to see what went through it. Like all the rabbit trails, all the reasoning to let him to make decision. Well, at the end of the summer, it was time for him to leave. And I believe he was, if I remember well, I believe he was from Georgia. And with the school that we went to was in upstate New York. And you will think that he's going to fly from the closest airport to Florida, or to Georgia. He didn't do that. Instead, he decided that he was going to fly out of Boston. How's it, Boston? Boston. Boston. Right? Uh, I've been practicing my Boston accent, but I can't. Sorry. Uh, He was flying out of Boston. And you will think that he will choose the closest airport, which was an hour away from this school, upstate New York. You will think that he will fly from there, but no, he decided to fly from Boston. And instead of, you know, doing one of those connection flights from New York to Boston, he decided that the best way for him to get to Boston was to rent a car. And there you start to see, like, how this guy was, right? And so he decides to rent a car, and he grabs my best friend. They drive to the city, which was an hour away from the, from the school. They drive there, and now they're going from a rental place to the other place because he was 20 years old, which back then you had to be at least 21 to be able to get an actual rental car. And he's driving from place to place trying to find a, a place that would let him drive or rent a car, but they couldn't find anything. So finally, he comes up with this great idea. He decided to rent a U-Haul. So I have a picture. That is the exact U-Haul he rented. It was a 16-foot-long U-Haul that he rented to drive from upstate New York all the way to Boston. It was about a four- to five-hour drive. And the funniest thing is, is that he had one suitcase. And to believe it or not, you will think that he would put the suitcase right next to seat, in the seat next to him. He did not. He put it in the bed of the truck. So imagine him driving New York City, New through New York to Boston with this big, you know, this big thing. And the suitcase in the back just going, you know, like, like what is, you know. 
But anyways, there's a principle here in the story that you and I are, are guilty of it. Is that when we set our minds on something, we will do whatever it takes to accomplish that. When we, when we set ourselves, this is what we need to do or this is what we're going to do, we will do whatever it takes to obtain it. Think about it. If you want to do a school, if you want to uh, be good in school, the decisions that you're going to be making are going to revolve around that. You're going to make sure that you go to bed early. You're going to make sure that you study. You're going to make sure that you go to Course Hero so you get all the answers. You're going to make sure that you do all the stuff, right? Yeah, I, yeah I've been there. Anyway, um, you will make sure that you do those things so that you can get your good grades. In the same way, if you are trying to, you know, lose weight or if you're trying to, you know, fulfill your pleasures, you will make decisions to make sure that you get what you want. We're guilty of that. And so today, as we're talking with this idea of being heavenly minded, of making decisions with heaven in perspective, the goal is that you can ask yourself at the end of the night, are you someone, am I someone that is heavenly minded? Am I someone that I recognize the importance of making decisions with heaven in perspective? Not just the big decisions, like where I'm going to go to school, who I'm going to date, what am I going to do for a living, but even small decisions. Are you someone that you're heavenly minded? But before we get into it, let's talk about why it is so hard for you to be heavenly minded. Number one, it, will be hard, it is hard for some of us to be heavenly mind, minded because we minimize the impact of the decisions that we make. We get into this internal argument where we tell ourselves that the decisions that we're about to do are not as big of a deal as they are. You consider yourself in a conversation when you're talking with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, and you know what you're about to do, and you know how, this, you know, you get into that conversation, and you know that you were about to do, and you tell yourself this lie that what you guys are going to do is not a big deal, that you can get away with it, that it's okay. And you get into this argument with yourself in many areas of our life where we tell ourselves that the decisions that we're making are not as big deal. Number two is because we choose to ignore the right thing to do. Let's be honest. When we do something wrong, we know it. Is that me? Uh, I'm not farting or anything like that, I promise. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the decisions that we're making, right, when we make a bad decision, we know that we're doing it. We're not stupid. We're not naive. Is that my beer? Probably my beer. Is that better? All right. There you go. Try it. Nailed, nailed it. All right. So the decision is that you know that you're doing it wrong, and because of that reason, you just choose to ignore it. You, don't, you know that you're taking that extra drink that will put you in a spot where you're going to be drunk, where you're not going to have control over yourself. You know that that's going to be wrong, but because you don't care, you still will do it because you choose to ignore it. You know that watching those TV shows, you know that watching that website that you know that you typically go to, you know that it's wrong, but instead of doing the right thing, you choose to ignore it. And that's why it's so hard sometimes to make decisions that are heavenly minded, to make decisions that have heaven in perspective. Number three, it's because we have this internal desire for instant gratification. We live in a society that makes it so easy for you and I to get what we want when we want it. We don't want to wait. We don't like to wait. We don't like to go to a line to a store and see a line unless it's Chick-fil-A. We don't like to go to anywhere and make a line because when we want something, we want it right away. 
And when we, you look at the Bible, when you look at, at what the Word of God says, you see what they tell you. You see that there are things in life that you have to wait. You choose not to wait because you want it now. This desire that is inside of us for instant gratification keeps us from making decisions that are heavenly minded. Number four is that we care too much. We care way too much what people think about us. And this doesn't mean that we want people to like us exclusively. It also means that we don't like to have conflict with people. So when we have an opportunity to be vocal about our faith, when we have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone that is near us, a friend or a family member, we choose not to do it because we don't want them to feel bad. We don't want them to feel offended. We don't, wanna, we don't like offending people. We don't like having enemy. We're like Pam that she, in the office that she wants everybody to love her. Right? And that's how we tend to be. We don't like, we like, we, 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 we have this internal fear of having people not liking us. And because we care so much about what people think about us, it is so hard to make decisions that are heavenly minded. And lastly, it is for some of us, it is almost, it will be impossible to make heavenly minded decisions because we don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, let me, you know, you know I can just tell you this and the message is over. You're not going to have, an, you're not going to be able to be heavenly minded. You're not going to be able to make a decision with heaven in perspective. You're not going to be able to recognize the importance of making decisions that are right because one day you're going to have to stand before a God that is just and that is loving and that you're going to have to give account for every single decision that you have made, whether they're big or they're small. And if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, if you have never believed in the gospel, you are not going to be able to make a heavenly-minded decision. And so these are just some examples of reasons why it's so hard for you and me on a daily basis to make a decision when we have heaven in perspective. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to be in Matthew 26. Matthew 26, chapter 36. I mean, Matthew 26, verse 36. Is it right? Yeah. All right. It's on the screen. It's on the screen. Um, in this story, what I want us to see, we're going to see some example of what, of three, four individuals. We're going to see James, we're going to see John, and we're going to see Peter. And we're also going to see Jesus. And we're going to look at their life, and we're going to look at this instance in their life. And we're going to see what it looks like, some, some observations of what it's like to be heavenly minded. And what it's like not to be heavenly minded. And so in the Matthew 26, 30, 26, verse 36. Now, just so you know what's happening here, Jesus is on the last days of his life. He's getting ready to die on the cross. Right before verse 36, a couple of verses before, if you, if you read, you see that he has this great dinner with, all, with his disciples, with his inner circle. Eleven guys where he's just having an opportunity, a time to meet with them, to have a meal with them. One last meal because he knew that his time was coming. And so this is what is happening right before this verse. So let's start reading. It says here, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So he grabbed all of his disciples, his 12, 11 disciples at this moment. They just got done eating a, a meal. They walked with him. They leave this place, and they're getting ready to go to this mountain. And Jesus says to them, again, I'll sit, sit here while I go over there and I pray. 
he says to the, to the 11 guys, hey, you guys stay here, all right? I'm going to go up. I'm going to continue my walk, and I'm going to go and pray. But then he says, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, Zebedee John and, and, and James, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Here's what I want you guys to do as we read this. I want you yourself to put your, I want you to put yourself in that story. I want you to think that you're one of the guys that Jesus just called. See, Jesus had all his 11 disciples sit here, sitting there, and out of the 11, he said, hey, James, John, Peter, come with me. And I want you, to, as we read in this, for you to be the next one, to imagine yourself being the, the extra one that Jesus is calling so that you can see what is going to happen here. This is a very heavy story. It's one of my favorite stories, but it's a very heavy story because you will see in this story how the human part of Jesus. You will be able to see what the humanity in Jesus' life when he was in here on earth. So he goes, James, Peter, John, and then you, come with me. And he says, as they're still walking, Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. He had a lot on his mind. There was a lot that he was thinking. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Hey, guys, look, hey, I have a lot in my mind. You know, you know what I was about to, I know what's about to happen, and I cannot get over it. He says, stay here and keep watch with me. Hey, just stay back here, and, and as I'm going to go pray, just pray with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciple and found them asleeping. So here's what's happening. Jesus grabbed those three guys, and like I said, put yourself in the story. He's grabbing you too, and he's telling them, hey, stay here, be watchful. I'm going to go pray. And as Jesus is praying, he says that he goes and he gets on his knees. He goes and prays to God and says, God, please, if it is up to you, if it is possible, let let this cup pass from me. What he's saying to God is, hey, God, look, the thing that I'm about, the journey that I'm about to take, which is the journey of the cross, it is a very difficult journey. I know that the journey of the cross will mean that you and I are going to be separated for a moment. It means that you and I, that there's going to be a time where you're going to turn your back at me. Because I am going to have to take all the sin of everyone in the history of the world. I'm going to have to take their sins. I'm going to have to take their struggles. And I'm going to have to bury it all on the cross for their sake. And this is not going to be an easy journey, God, because when I stand in that cross, when I stand there with my eyes, my, my, eyes, my arms open, I know, Lord, that, I know, Father, that you're going to have to turn your back on me because of all the sin that is present. God, if there is any possible way. If there's any other way that you can provide salvation for people, if there's any other way that you can save James, that you can save Peter, that you can save John, if there's any possible way, please let it happen. But if there's not, if this is what you want it to happen, then let it be so. Then it says here that he returned to his disciple and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? 
He says, hey, couldn't you guys just stay up for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. God, if there's not any other way for you to provide salvation for this world, if there is no other way but for me to die on the cross, then let it be so. Let it be so. Then he says, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more time. And prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Again, he's praying, God, if there's any other way, let this pass come from me. But if not, let your will be done. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go, here comes my betrayer. It's a heavy passage. I mean, uh, if you have a time where you're secluded, where you can just read through this and really like dive in in what's happening, you will see that you will get to see a very glimpse of what Jesus went through for you and I to be able to experience our salvation. It was not an easy journey, but he took it because it was the thing that, you know, required for him to do. But here's some observations I want us to see. I want us to pay attention to Peter, John, and James. And like I said, we put yourself in, in, that, in that category. Here's what happened when you're not heavenly minded. The first thing that we, will, we see in this story is that James, Peter, and John, they missed the, uh, the Peter, James, and Peter allowed their circumstances to dictate their actions. You see, they were tired. They had a very long evening. It will, it, rightfully so, they were tired. But Jesus handpicked them. They had an opportunity to be able to, to be there for Jesus, but they allowed the circumstances of that moment, of that instance, to be able to fall asleep. They just fell asleep. And look, I get it. Last year, I, went on a, I was on a mission trip with the middle schoolers for a whole week, and then on that Friday, we were flying to Mexico with the high schoolers, with some of you. And I remember that that night, I was so tired, I was so tired that I was like, if someone talked to me, <clears throat> Nolan, I am going to punch them in the face, and I am going to be done. Because I was so tired. I get it. It's tired. But what you see here, because they were more focused on their comfort, they were more concerned about their tiredness, because they were more concerned about their current circumstances, they miss out on what's happen- on what was happening there. They allow the circumstances to dictate their action. And what you see is that that's often the case with us. That we allow what we're experiencing, whether they're a good thing or bad thing. We allow what, what we're experiencing, whether it's internally or even outside of us, like COVID. Or, you know, even the elections or whatever it is. You feel the God. We allow what's happening around us to dictate the actions that we take. Instead of being someone that recognizes that every decision that we make have an internal impact. That's the, that's, you know, that's the first thing. The second thing that we see is that they miss out on an opportunity of a lifetime. Look, Jesus handpicked his people. He could have had all of them, all of the disciples, but he didn't. He chose three of them. These were the three guys that once, I mean, if you read a couple of verses ago, James, Peter, Peter is the one that Jesus goes to him and says, hey, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, no, I'm not. I am not only willing to go to prison for you, Jesus, but I am willing to die on the cross for you, Jesus. 
And then you have James and, and John who are the ones that constantly were asking Jesus, hey, if there is a time in heaven when we're in heaven, can we be the ones to see by you? Can we have authority over everyone else? And then yet when the one time in history where Jesus, you could have made the argument that Jesus needed the help of them, they were not available. The one time when Jesus is telling them, hey, I need you to watch me. I need you to watch with me. I need you to pray with me. Because the journey that I'm about to take is not an easy journey. But because they allowed their currents, their circumstances, and because they were not thinking about heaven, they were not thinking about Jesus, they were not thinking about what Jesus was about to take in the journey, they fell asleep and missed out on a great opportunity. What you see, though, is that when you're not heavily minded, you're going to miss out on some great opportunities. Think about that friend in your school, in your college or work, wherever you're at, that you know that they desperately need to know about Jesus. But because you're so afraid, because of your circumstances, you are not so much willing to make the approach to share the gospel with them. And because you are not heavenly minded, because you don't have heaven in perspective, because you're not thinking that one day you're going to have to stand before God and explain to him why you never share the gospel with that individual, you don't do it. And you miss out on a lifetime opportunity. That is why it's so important for us to be heavenly minded. James, Peter, and John, they had an opportunity to be there for Jesus. And you see here in the passage... That Jesus goes to them and says, you, you couldn't even watch with me for one hour? You couldn't stay awake for one hour? Like, I wasn't asking that much from you. All I was asking for you is to pray for me. I'm, I'm about to go on the cross for you, and you couldn't pray for me? So you'll see that we missed out on, a, on opportunities of the last time. And then lastly, is that they were useless. When you don't make decisions that are heavenly minded... You're going to be useless. See, God has called you to do things for him. He is going to give you opportunities to do things for him. To, next week, Mike is going to start this series on, what, on how to make decisions with, or make, what, what to do when you don't know what to do. And you're going to realize that as you're making decisions, you're going to be faced with opportunities that if you do not take them, you're going to be useless. You're not only going to miss out on the opportunity, but you're going to be useless. John, John, James, and Peter, in this particular instance, they were useless. Jesus might as, well, might as well have left them three with the other disciples because they didn't do what God, Jesus was asking them to do in that moment. When you're not heavily minded, that's what's going to happen. You're not going to be, you're going, you're going to be useless. Now let's look at Jesus. Look what Jesus does here. The very first thing is that he encouraged others even when they fail him. You see in the same passage, it says, it says in verse, um, um, where is it? In verse 40, he says, so you cannot watch with me for one hour. Really, you couldn't stay awake for one hour. But then he says to them, he says, hey, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit that is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's like, hey, guys, look, you couldn't stay awake, but hey, just you know, get over it. Come on, let's pray with me again. Because I know that you're willing to do this, but the flesh is strong. So come on, don't fall yourself into the temptation. Come on, let's do this. Continue to do this. You see, Jesus could have not said anything. He could have not even bothered to wake them up. 
And we will see that he will do, he will do that later on. But he did it in the moment because he wanted to encourage them. When you are heavily minded, you're not going to make decisions that are based on you. You're going to make decisions that are based on God, that they're based on Jesus, and that are based on others. You're going to prioritize other people. And that's what you see Jesus here. Even though he's the one that a few verses before he's saying, hey, guys, I am heavy and sorrowful because the journey that I'm about to take is a very difficult journey. And despite what he's wrestling, despite what he's dealing with, he's taking the time to encourage the three people that were being useless for him in the moment. The second thing that you will see with Jesus is that he submitted his preference, his comfort, and his own life to the will of the Father. Jesus understood that even though it would have been easier for God to provide a different way for salvation, he knew that salvation to take place will require a perfect sacrifice. He knew that in order for you and I to be able to experience eternal life, that for us to be able to one day enjoy the blessing and the privilege that it is to go to heaven, we needed the sacrifice of Jesus. And he knew that for him to drink of this cup, to drink of this wrath, because this is what it means, to drink from the wrath of God, it meant for him to die on the cross. He was willing to do it for the sakes of those that were there. He was willing to do it for the sakes of us and for the sake of everyone in this world. When you're heavenly minded, you're going to be put yourself in a position where you're going to be willing to sacrifice your comfort, you're going to be willing to sacrifice your, your preferences and even your life if it came to that. Because your decisions, the things that you're deciding to do is in heaven. You have heaven in perspective. You know that one day you're going to stand before God and give account for every single decision that you have made. Whether they're big or small. And because you recognize that, you're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes. To make the right decision. Lastly, you see that he was ready for what was coming. <clears throat> coming. <laughs> it's like I'm hitting puberty. Anyways. <laughs> Even though I'm bald. So anyways. Um, you see here in the, at the very end of the chapter of the verses, it says in verse 45. He finds them again. He goes to pray. He comes back again. And they're sleeping. Again, instead of waking them up, he's just like, you know, just leave it. He goes back and continues to pray and then for a third time. And then after the third time, he comes back. And then he says here, hey, guys, sleep and take your rest later on. Hey, get, you get to sleep another time, right? You just get up and come on. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus is telling them, hey, guys, come on, get up. The time is here. The time for me to take on this, on this difficult journey is now. Let's get up and let's go. And, and you see here, and if you read the next verse, you see that, it, that as he's still talking, Judas, the one that's going to betray him, shows up in the scene. 
And that is the moment that you see that from that point on, we see the story of the cross, the journey of the cross that led for Jesus to die on the cross and to rise from the dead three days later. But you see here at Jesus that because he knows that, the need, that what needs to happen needs to happen, he's ready for it. He's not trying to, hey, guys, hey, I know he's coming, so let's, let's go the other way. Or let's try to wait a, ling- a little longer. Or let's try to, you know, ign- you know, let's figure out something so that it doesn't happen just yet because I'm not ready. Instead, when the guy was coming their way, when Judah was coming their way, he's not playing around. He's ready to take on the journey because he knew that it was the thing that it was required for him to do. When you're, gonna be, when you're heavily minded, you're going to be ready to do whatever it takes. When you are heavily minded, you're going to be able to make the right decisions because you recognize that there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to have to give account for every single decision that you make. You're going to be ready. So here's what we're going to do. Morgan is going to come up. And as he's going to get up, he's going to sing one, more, one last song. And here's what I want you to do. To think about this idea of heavenly mind. And I want you to think through this idea of heavenly mind. And I want you to ask yourself the question, am I someone that is heavenly minded? Am I someone that when I make decisions in my life, do I make them... Considering heaven, I put in heaven as a perspective. Do I make a decision recognizing that they're going to have an eternal impact? Do I make decisions knowingly that whether, they're, whether I'd rather do them or not, I must do them because one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to have to explain every single decision that I have made. If you're here, look, this is what... You know, the Bible tells, look in first, uh, first Colossians, 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 first Colossians 3, 1, 4. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated to the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Look. If you're a Christian, you've been called to this. You've been called to make decisions that are being heavily minded. Hopefully you know the blessing and the privilege that it is to be one day to go to heaven. And you hopefully recognize that it's worth it. That it's all worth it. And because of that, because of Christ, because of the sacrifice that he endured on the cross for you, because of what we just saw, how even though it was going to be hard, that even though he didn't want, he could have chosen a different way to do it, he still did it because of you, because of me. And because of his sacrifice, because of the journey that he took on the cross, then we recognize that being heavenly minded is the thing that we must do. That heavenly minded is not just this phrase that we use in church because it sounds good. But it's the, it's the idea that we want to make a decision every day with heaven in perspective. Just like Clancy focused on himself on doing, uh, on getting that rental. And no matter what, he was going to get that rental. We also should focus on making a decision of everything that we do to be under this, the line, under the perspective of heaven. Recognizing that one day we're going to stand before a God where we're going to have to give account, where we're going to have to explain every decision that we make. Morgan is going to sing a couple of uh, chorus of the song that she just sang, and then I'll come up and then we'll be dismissed. Tonight, tonight.
not the thing that to make heavenly minded decisions is easy. It's not. It's not easy. But like we saw today, like we saw in the story, it is the thing that you and I have been called to do. If you're a Christian, this is what you must do. You must make decisions with heaven in perspective. You must make decisions recognizing that one day you're going to have to stand before God and give account and explain what you did, the things that you did. Look, even if you don't see him, even if there's a mountains in front of him, you do it because of him. You guys can take a seat for a second. I, uh, this past summer, or this summer in July, my, I had an opportunity, an opportunity. My wife's uncle passed away unexpectedly. He was in his 40s. He was very young. And he was somewhat healthy, so it, we, no, one knew, knew, no one saw it coming. But it happened. This last week, when we were in Thanksgiving, for Thanksgiving, my fam, uh, Jenny, my wife, and her family got together uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving. And one of the people there was my un- her uncle's uh, wife. And as we were there in that week, they do something. Every, this is a part of the, like a tradition for them where every night they get together as a family and they sing worship. And this was the song that Aunt Danica was singing. It is well. And God has blessed, blessed, her, blessed her with a great voice. And uh, she was the one leading the worship. But I remember sitting in the room not understanding how is it possible for her that just lost her husband that now is a mother of three young kids that has to do this by herself is able to sing this song and say you know what it is well with my soul and I got it it's because she's not thinking of her circumstances she's not allowing the things that are the things that she's facing to determine the decisions that she needs to make to make she recognized that one day because her and her husband believe in the gospel one day she'll have an opportunity to see him again she understands that God is just, but also loving and that he is in control of things. And although she cannot see him, and although there's a mountain right in front of her, it is well with her soul. You know why? Because she got him. She has Jesus. So to make heavenly minded decisions is not easy, but it's possible and it's worth it. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not going to be able to make a heavenly-minded decision. But you do not have to live tonight like that. I mean, we talk about Jesus and the kind of journey that he took because he wanted you to experience salvation. He wanted you to experience freedom from your sins. And he wanted you to have one day eternal life. That although the journey of the cross was difficult. That although the journey of the cross was not one that anyone could, could enjoy. It was worth it and it was necessary so that you and I can experience, can experience eternal life. And that gift of salvation is being made freely to you. If you, do not know, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, you can know him today. You can also know that it can be well with your soul. Because only through Jesus are, we can be well with our soul. Uh, David said 
in Psalm 62, he says, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. If you do not know Jesus as your savior, you have an opportunity to know him today. You can start making heavily minded decisions. And for you, that will be the very first decision that you're gonna make, that it's gonna be with heaven in perspective. And you can make that tonight. If you're listening on the podcast and you're not from the church or wherever you're at, you can also make that decision because it is worth it. It is worth it. And it is as a decision that you will never regret. And it's a decision that it will transform your life for good. And it's a decision that is going to allow you to one day sin before God and be justified of your sin because of Jesus. And it's the one decision that is going to allow you to want to be able to say for the first time in your life, it is well with my soul. If you have questions, if you, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what brought you here. I don't know if you're visiting or if you're a recurring one, but if you don't know Jesus, please do not live tonight without knowing him. I'm going to be here in the front, and if you can need to talk to somebody, come talk to me. But if not, talk to someone you feel comfortable. It's worth it. You get Jesus. See, the best thing about heaven is that we get to be with him for eternity. And you don't have to wait to heaven to get him. You can get him today. Isn't that cool? So...